This is a moment in wine and hip hop presented to you by Jermaine Stone, aka the Wolf of Wine. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. Check this out. Oh yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. It's your boy, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. The 34-year-old Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. (laughs) And I have my man, Dustin Wilson, here with me. Dustin, how are you, sir? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Good, good. I gave myself such an ill introduction, I got to give you one. I have... Master Sommelier, entrepreneur, star of the trilogy, Sam, <laughs> Dustin Wilson. All right, that's better. Oh, that yeah, feels, nice. that feels like that. philanthropist, <laughs> all that, all that, all that. How you doing, man? Thanks I'm great, for coming man. On. I'm great. You on a hot streak right now, man. You really blazing the trail. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a crazy last few months. Yeah, lots, <laughs> lots, lots, lots going on, for sure. A little busy. A little, yeah, bu- little busy. <laughs> a little busy. Well, I want to introduce my hip-hop crowd to you. And I always feel like the best way to do that is to introduce people to who your rap spirit animal is. Sure. So if you would compare yourself to any rapper, who would you say it is? The one that stands out the most probably and the one I emulate a lot is Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Yeah. Okay, I can Mr. see that. Mr. Sean I, I can. I can, definitely, <laughs> I can definitely see that. So The hustle, man. Right. You, hustle. You, you play for the team you own, basically. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. I, like, I like it. Okay. I'm 50% of Duce and it's dead free. Yeah. 100% of Ace of Spade, worth half a beat. Uh. Rock Nation, half of that, that's my piece. 100% of title to bust it up with my cheese. Uh. That makes sense. And Jay-Z, he's one of those artists, I mean, the guy's a wordsmith, man. I feel like I talk about Hove every single episode, but he's <laughs> one of the guys you should talk to. Like, yeah. what, he just turned 49? I yeah. think so, yeah. 49, yeah. man, the 49-year-old yeah. phenom. Yeah. That shit is crazy. Do you have a favorite Jay-Z song? Honestly, I think Reasonable Doubt, the whole album, it's, uh, it's like what I might go to. Yeah. <laughs> something to listen to from him. It's, mm-hmm. it's that. together like a choir to acquire what we desire. We do dirt like worms, produce G's like sperm, to legs spread like germs. I got extensive holes with expensive clothes, and I sit fine wines and spit vent to slows, but y'all know. He references wine to a pretty good amount. It's a lot. Lyrics, yeah, it's great. Definitely, yeah. definitely. What are some of your first memories of rap? You know, I think the first few albums that I bought were uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop, um, mm. like back in the day. Right, um, right. You went to the Chronic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was the Chronic and Doggy Style from Snoop yes. were like my first couple albums. Yeah, and that was yeah. like my introduction to it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I listened to, to Dre on the radio, you know, heard it. I think, you know, I, I was born in 79, so this is like, you know, early, definitely early 90s. Yeah, like um, 92, 93. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, and that was it, man. And I was kind of hooked from there on, and you know, listened to pretty much everything. Got into mm-hmm. like all that early '90s stuff. Yeah. Like uh, you know, all, all over the map, really. Everything from like Tribe to Diggable Planets right. to like funky, jazzy kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. to like more hardcore stuff mm-hmm. like Onyx and shit yeah, like that. Yo, you know. Onyx, man. <laughs> all right. So we're fresh off of Rubel Duron, which yeah. was an amazing event. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what Rubel Duron is? Yeah, so we, uh, we as myself and uh, 
my good friend Thomas Pastuchak, who's the wine director at the Nomad Hotel uh, in, in Manhattan. He and I started this, uh, this was year number two. Uh, basically what it is is a, a celebration of wines from the Northern Rhone Valley in France, which is a small region um, it's south of Burgundy, um, which is, you know, are definitely more famous. Um, it's also north of the Southern Rhone, which is, uh, you know, most famous area down there is Chateauneuf de Pop. So mm. the Northern Rhone consists of like places like Hermitage, Cote Roti, uh, Cornas, so like the big three. Right. So um, when you're mentioning these names, these are different areas. These are different where... areas in the Northern Rhone. And right. it's an area that uh, the region in general is a place that Thomas and I both are, are pretty passionate about. We really love the wines. Yeah. It's a small area. So it, A, it's it's not super famous. It's getting there. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't get a lot of play. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of kind of uh, like wine festivals, if you will, in the U.S. that are... Uh, focused on more famous regions like Champagne or right. Burgundy or mm-hmm. Rosé or Riesling or stuff like that. Right. And there was nothing for the Northern Rhone. So Thomas and I started this this uh, uh, weekend of events. It's a couple tastings and dinners and things like that throughout mm-hmm. the course of a weekend, um, all focused on wines from the Northern Rhone specifically. Right. And we have a bunch of winemakers from the region that fly out for it. Um, we you know, throw some parties, we have a good time. Uh, See, some parties is is very, very (laughs) modest to say. That was like one of the illest events I've ever been to in my entire life. But the thing is, and this is the most important key piece about the whole thing, is that, you know, we have a great time and it's awesome, um, but it's all for charity. It's all for a great cause. So, you know, a lot of these things exist that are for profit, um, which, you know, they're fine. That's fine. And I've attended a lot of those and it's Mm -hmm. great. They're a lot of fun. Everybody got to eat, man. (laughs) <laughs> totally, totally. Everybody's got to eat. But, you know, Thomas and I, we, we've worked so many of those events and we saw that, like, you know, there's so much money being thrown around and, you know, we're, we have this opportunity in our industry uh, with the platforms that we're given to do some good with right. that. So right. um, we're trying to set an example, set a new stage of, you know, what these wine events can be about right. and, uh, you know, focusing on charity is a, is a big part of this yeah we spoke about this a little bit at the event i've been to all these events and those type of events are the sort of thing that got me hooked into the wine world like mm-hmm. i didn't think that i would be attending events like that <laughs> growing up in the bronx right, you know right. there was one year i auctioneered fetu champagne and that was crazy to me to just be on that stage but also to be celebrating such classic wines yep. at the highest level and i feel like you guys did that it had that white tablecloth service feel but it still had the uh house party vibe (laughs) you know it was very um it was it was very warm and organic but at the same time very high class and approachable it was a great event and quest love dj man so (laughs) when i see wine and hip-hop come together like that it just warms my heart you know (laughs) what is the angle that you wanted to approach with rebel Duron and bringing in guys like quest love and yeah, I mean, it was you nailed it on the head. We, you know, we wanted to find a vibe that was kind of, you know, balancing not a reverence, but paying respect to the wines and like right. how great they are, and mm-hmm. like giving respect to the winemakers that show up. You know, it can't just be like a free for all party. Right. Um, you know, we had some great chefs that prepared an amazing meal, and like the wines go with that. So, you know, everything on that end is like super tight. You know, mm-hmm. the service is really tight, the food's tight, the wines are tight. 
Um, but then the rest of it, you know, the music, the vibe, right. the ambiance, and everything else should mm-hmm. be loose and fun. You know, it's like right. we don't wear ties. You know, we wore like t-shirts over, you know, with a jacket yeah. over it this year. I'm so, so glad I didn't go with the tux that night. <laughs> I was so close to going with the tux. I'm like, let me not do the tux. Yeah, so it's it like out. it's it's that it's not a high low thing, but it's kind of like focusing on the things that matter, but making the rest of it really fun. You know, right, we right. we don't want a stuffy kind of stuck up vibe. We wanted it to be a good time, and you know, having quests there. Like really helped right. add to that flavor, you know. It was it was great, man. I feel like, you know, when I left, there might have been some people barefoot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, guys. It's not how it goes down. It was a dope party, man. It was it was a yeah, good we had event. a great time. Thank you. So, and I like that it's celebrating Rome because I really like wines from Rome. And I drew the comparison uh, to Rome wines to Notorious B.I.G. Who Shot You. You know, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. But first of all, that's my favorite song of all time. Is it really? Any genre. Awesome. Who Shot Ya <laughs> is the best song ever recorded. I can explain <laughs> why. And it's exactly like Roan Wines. We're, we're also very privileged to be getting this uh, small class about Roan Wines from you because you're known for being a sommelier, mm-hmm. right? Can you explain to the audience exactly what a sommelier is? I'll be hanging out with people, and I'll drop that term very yeah. loosely and just forget that sometimes people just don't know what that is. Sure. So can you break that down? Yeah, so sommelier, it's a, it's a French term. Uh, more often now you hear just som, S-O-M-M, for mm-hmm. short, uh, short for sommelier. And sommelier, it, the direct translation is like a wine steward. So. Right. Essentially, it's uh, for me anyway, and there's a lot of people that define this uh, many different ways. You know, I could probably argue with some of my wine buddies about what a, what the sommelier is or right. like what, what it actually means. But for me, it means it's a person, uh, or I should say a position in a restaurant mm. uh, where it's the person that like comes over to the table, helps you select some wine, and then does wine service for you. And oftentimes, they may or may not be the person also running the wine program, so like or ordering the wine, curating the wine list. Right. Etc. Etc. Putting together that program, but uh, at a b- very basic level, for me, a sommelier is the person in a restaurant that helps you, you know, pick out that great bottle of wine or some glasses or does a pairing for you. Right. Um, that's wine focused, you know, to go along with your meal. You know, the the term has kind of spread now. Is yeah. it's become more popular and Sommeliers people kind of use it to the, uh, much more the, the darlings of the wine industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the term has become much more flexible to mean like kind right. of uh, somebody that's a wine professional, you know, and could, right. could potentially work in various aspects of the industry. So, you know, whether it's uh, importing or distributing or an yeah. educator mm-hmm. or um, just any anybody that's in the industry could kind of reference themselves as a sommelier now. I know right. I even know some people now who are going off and taking like these exams, you know, right. like the level one, level two test. Right, right, right. They're an accountant, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, I'm also a sommelier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you working in restaurants on the side? No, no, no. I took the test. I'm like, oh, right. like, gotcha. All right. <laughs> I mean, I think it's great that people are interested. But I yeah. think it's awesome that so many people are into it now. You know, like I remember, and we'll probably get into this, but the movie. Right. You know, before the movie. My, even my family didn't really understand like what I did as wow. a sommelier. They didn't know what I was doing. Right. Um, I had to explain it to them. And even when I explained so it, they're like, "I still don't get it." <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the movie came out, and and I, and I think that was it was like that with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, not many people understood what a sommelier was or what the profession was all about. Um, why people were so passionate about it. Right. And then the movie came out, and then it was like wildfire. You know, like right. now 
everybody loves wine. They love sommeliers. They want to be a part of that world. It's right. like really fashionable. It's in. It's popular right now, which is cool. Right, right. You know, for me, it's great because it's more people are drinking wine, which is really what it's all about at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think this is actually, I actually think it's a great segue. This because you are a master sommelier. How does a master sommelier differ from just a sommelier? So. The master sommelier thing is a uh, credential right. that's earned through uh, you know taking these tests. So right. there's basically there's four levels to the exam. Uh, if you're going down that path, there's right. an introductory test. Once you pass that, right. you, know, you can take the certified test. Once you pass the certified, then you're you go to the advanced test, and then right. once you pass the advanced, then you can go take the master's test. And once you pass that master's test. You Beat are labeled as a, as a <laughs> yeah. You're labeled as a master sommelier, and you know it's a. Uh, that sounds like okay, no big deal, but you know it takes years. It takes lots of dedication, lots of sacrifice, and it's it's hard. You know, it's um, a lot of people yeah. say it's one of the hardest tests, uh, you know, out there. Right. Uh, so as Meek Mill would say, kids, it's levels to this shit. <laughs> right? There's four levels to becoming a master sommelier. Uh, nice. How long would you say it takes on average? Uh, it's, it's hard to say on average, but, you know, I think for me it took five years uh, okay. from start to finish. But, you know, I think there's certainly people who have done it a little quicker, some people that have taken longer. So my, my, my guess was the average was probably somewhere around five to call it seven years, something like that. Wow. And that's like average. being truly dedicated. Psalm, it's interesting because I called it the Psalm Trilogy, but three movies yeah. in. How did you become involved with this project? So the first movie uh, was really organic. And, you know, the guy that made it, Jason, who's become a dear friend, uh, he he had never made a feature-length film, feature-length documentary, nothing. He was working as a uh, as a director for a travel show for PBS, I believe, at the time. And um, But he's a really curious guy, super smart, obviously very talented. And uh, he knew he wanted to make a movie about wine in some capacity. He didn't know what it was going to be about. Um, and he was, at the time, he was friends with uh, one of the kind of quote unquote co stars in the movie, Brian McClintock. Right. And uh, I think he attended a, a blind tasting, you know, once. <laughs> the and blind watched, watched it go down, you know, watched <laughs> these, these guys who were studying for their tests like dissect wine and like get it correct. You know, right. he was just like jaw dropped on the, on the table. And was well, just like, can Shit. we break down what a blind tasting is a little bit? Yeah. Because it definitely a narrative that flows through. It's incredibly important in becoming a master sommelier. Yeah. So it's, it's, a part of the test, um, you sit down to six wines. This is at the master's level. You sit down to six wines. There's three whites, three reds. You have 25 minutes to taste through the wines and say what they are. But you don't you don't just kind of smell them, taste them, and say, "Oh, this is you know Chablis or this is Pinot Noir or something." Right. You have to you have to really nail it. But you can't just nail it either. You have to explain why you got there. So it's like right. you know proving that you know what's going on. Right. So you have to talk. Show about, your work, kids. Yeah, show your work. <laughs> just like exactly. That. You got to talk about what it looks like, what it smells right. like, what it tastes and like. And there's a, a grid that Correct. you guys go by. Yeah. How many was it? Was it like 18 different things? I'm not trying no, to I, quiz you right I now. I actually don't know. It's, it's like different depending on right, the wine, right, you know? Right. So it's like all these different points that you have to hit. Yeah. But then at the end, 
you have to say, okay, I think it's this great from this place, this country, this like little region, this vintage. It's like you follow so, a trail of clues. Exactly. And honestly, like I remember when I first started in wine, that concept sounded like magic to me. Like, okay, I'm just never going to be able to do that. Yeah. And now I'm not going to say my palate is incredibly seasoned, but I drank a lot of wines, you know. Right. And I'm beginning to pick up those nuances between regions. I can kind of tell how something's oaked and shit. I'm yeah. like, wow, this is it's crazy weird how the progression so hard, right? happens. And I didn't come from like a wine background or anything. I had no, you know, uh, like natural talent at this when I first started it. Right. It was like completely foreign to me. And I remember the first time I sat down and watched a couple of guys do it. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy <laughs> um, and I remember the exact moment I, it's like burned into my memory it was uh, this guy Brett Zimmerman and Nate Reddy who I still know both of those guys to this day and they were studying at the time for their advanced exam um, and they rocked out this tasting and it was just like whoa <laughs> I could never do this you know I was like how in the world I, how did they do this I have no idea and then you know years later here I am like going Knocking to this test shots like, like Steph Curry crazy. from yeah, half crazy, court <laughs> yeah so it's like you, you never know you never right. know so you got involved naturally oh yeah so back to the movie so um, so Jason decided you know after seeing this blind tasting he's like man I want to follow these guys I want to watch I want to watch this process because this is fascinating the, the process of taking that master sommelier mm-hmm. exam and were you guys just a group of friends or yeah was totally so by, okay. uh, at the time you know I was living in Colorado in Aspen and I was uh, the sommelier at the Little Nell Hotel at the time and um, Brian had long story but he had ended up moving out there as well and he lived like right down the street so we were study partners essentially right. and we would taste together and one day we're sitting at his place like you know practicing or something and he's like hey my buddy Jason wants to come film us would you be cool with that right I was like yeah sure fine I'm you know no being whatever <laughs> fine I've showered today <laughs> sure right. so like you know when it first came about it was like no big deal and you know he Jason didn't know anybody in the industry so he was just like tugging on the strings that he could you know right. so he had Brian Brian brought me in he got to meet Ian through the, the same friendships right uh, and then D Lynn uh, was a good friend of ours that would study with us from time to time so he would fly in and like taste with us every once in a while and right. that's how he got involved so there was no like casting or anything and it came together and you guys dynamic it was so well balanced like you kind of came off as a dude that didn't really give a fuck was just like yo I'm just trying to pass this test yeah. I'm not with any of this shit <laughs> like this guy he's a cool dude but <laughs> you, were the, you were the one that you were a sane man in an insane world. Uh, <laughs> That's what it came up. Like every everyone kind of had their character, but it, it was just yeah to, was to just like, like to know chill. you and then to like <laughs> see how it looked. It was just funny to watch. Yeah, I was focused, man. I right, was focused. exactly. You were you were like the one to like listen. I'm not with any of the bullshit. I'm just trying to do this. Yeah. If it's stupid, I'm gonna call it out. But <laughs> this is where we are. Exactly, I, I loved your exactly. approach. On it. But yeah, that's how it went down, and then. Uh, you know, honestly, when once the movie was made, I didn't think it was going to turn into anything. I thought it was going to be like, you know, something we could watch as friends together. You know, it's like when, same as flipping through photos. Like, right. oh, remember that? You know, yeah. we had a, a little movie to It'd watch. Be like a little PBS doc or yeah, something. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. I'll have a DVD of this. And I can like mm-hmm. look back on this time of my life. You know, that's right. pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, and then it came out and just went crazy. It was, ins- and then we're on stage at you know Napa, like to this 500 person crowd. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And then, <laughs> you know, I'd like gone through a couple jobs. I was I'd moved to to New York 
uh, when it came out, like, and hit Netflix and all of that. And right. we had people coming into the restaurant, like, talking about it. Hey, have you seen this movie, Som? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen it. <laughs> Very intimately, yeah, I've seen right. it. <laughs> people watching it on their flights over to New York on United and That's whatnot. So I was like, crazy. what? In the world is going on. It was crazy. Crazy. That's awesome. Now, during this time, were you at 11 Madison Park pre? I I was uh, after they stopped filming. So um, when I passed the exam, I was still living in San Francisco. Um, I moved from Colorado to San Fran. And when I passed the test, most of my filming for the the movie happened in SF. And then after I passed the exam, uh, a few months later, I took a job in, in New York at 11 Madison Park. And moved and then when the movie actually came out and hit you know the the media and whatnot right. it was i was in new york at the time so man and that's just it was like, like perfect timing exactly. i like couldn't have timed it any better like just started this new new gig wine director of 11 madison park i just released my first wine with mm-hmm. uh, some of the guys that i was buddies with we right. released a syrah wine right right um the movie comes out i was like man this is like <laughs> Great rollout. It was a great rollout. And you know, hello uh, New York. (laughs) Eleven Madison Park is a is a badass restaurant, right? And you were known for having like what, like twelve course set menu. Is that? Yeah, it's funny. When I started there, we had a four course menu. You could order a la carte, basically. It was like a or not a la carte, but it was like a four course you know menu where you chose things. Uh, the, and there the was whole, an optional tasting menu, and then you know by the time I left, it was a uh, fifteen course. Fifteen, you know, you need to like have a lunch thing. break for your dinner, right? <laughs> you need a coffee <laughs> break with like I'm gonna step outside, get a smoke, I'll be back. You know, to tie it all together, though, the first time I met Quest was at, at Eleven Madison Park. Park. Wow, Psalm yeah. yeah. Three was really dope because I feel like you guys definitely hit a stride here. Can we talk about much of it? Or yeah, of course. I don't want to do any spoilers, so just stop me if I'm sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. But you curated a tasting of prominent New York Psalms and basically compared that with the tasting of the most prominent palates in the world. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that a fair assessment? Basically, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't necessarily have it planned that way, but um, that's how it ended up. (laughs) (laughs) It was, again, man, the flowers arranged themselves for you, right? Like, that, that tends to happen. It was dope. Now, how did you... Put together that panel of New York Psalms. Uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it wasn't that hard. You know, they're they're all the wine community in New York is pretty right. small, and um, you know, we're all friendly or friends at least, and uh, you know, have mutual respect for one another, and tend to interact a lot, whether mm-hmm. it's at each other's restaurants or wine bars or, or right. you know, shops or whatever the case may be, or events, things like that, tastings that we see each other. So everybody knows everybody. So for this. You know, I, I knew I wanted to have uh, some of the most prominent New York people and uh, some great palates and, you know, have a great diverse group at the yeah. table, you know, which is also super important for me. And uh, with different backgrounds and kind of different interests and, uh, you know, have a lot of different types of minds at the table. But right. everybody is no doubt highly credible, you know. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> so that's how the list of people came together. And um you know, they all said yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't realize how important the judgment in Paris was for California, just the American wine industry overall. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It came down to one moment 
that really birthed the American wine scene. Correct. Can you tell the audience a little bit yeah, about so it? Yeah, so the Judgment of Paris is a very important tasting that happened back in 1976 uh, in Paris. And it was organized by a guy named Stephen Spurrier, who was a uh, uh, British guy. Um, he was a, a wine merchant, you right. know, similar to myself. Um and he basically wanted to showcase some of the best French French wines of the time against some of what he thought were really great American wines. Starting some little East Coast, West Coast beef. Exactly. Well, not East Coast, you know? West Coast, but you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just show off because at the time, you know, everybody thought French wines were the benchmark and that was it. And they didn't have time for wines from America. And, right. Um, you know, and I, I see this with, my, with myself today as a, as a merchant, as a guy that works retail. You know, you're always trying to find, like, the next best thing. Right. Where are these up-and-coming places come, you know, what are where are the values, right? Like, mm-hmm. where can you find amazing delicious wine right that's not as expensive as like the really high-end stuff you know so and that's what he was doing he was exploring the world and right. he found yeah. some really great wines in california and uh it was and very, he was curating the entire it list. was very up and coming at the time and mm-hmm. yeah it was him and well he had some people on his team right. so it wasn't him by himself but um you know he puts this tasting together and uh it was some french Chardonnays next to some American Chardonnays, some French Cabernet wines next to some American Cabernet wines, California mm-hmm. specifically, and it was done blind, yeah. you know, which is also important in the sense that, like, you know, when you're tasting wine, there's if you have the label in front of you, that yeah. really influence you a lot, oh, right? Definitely. So, uh, this wasn't to trick anybody, but it was to put them in that lineup: those right. French wines and American wines, and they would just. You know, they put their thoughts down on paper. What's in the bottle is the only thing that yeah. What's matter. in your glass and what you smell, what you taste, is right. the only thing that matters. So. Uh, you know, he puts on this tasting, and for the Chardonnay category, the California wines won, and same for the Cab category. So, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and it like wasn't that big of a deal at the time, but, you know, as Americans, we're great at marketing, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're good at anything. Sure. So, uh, somebody got a hold of the results and published, you know, this, this thing and mm-hmm. uh, made a huge stink about it and became a really big deal, and it, it set off a fire. That's it, crazy. You know, it was man. great. That that it really it, helped to give that the industry a huge boost in the mid to late seventies. That's wild, and it, yeah. it just it just takes that one moment. So you also had Fred Dame there, who yeah. out of that entire like OG crew, I think was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's a, a character. He man. is a character. Yeah. That's a good way to put. It. He's a straight shooter, but his palette is scary. Like yeah. it was scary what he was doing uh, and he was doing some blind tasting in the movies guys and it was I don't even understand how someone can do that like down to the 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 producer yep. he was figuring out like that's yeah. that shit's wild yeah he's Fred is uh he's legend uh he was examining when I was going through the court like right. coming up through the ranks and uh I love Fred to death amazing guy he's done incredible things for our industry um but I remember when I was going through my exams like Fred was the last guy right. that you wanted in front of you at your test <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know because he would intimidate the hell out of everybody mm-hmm. and uh, you were just hoping when you go into your service test you're like man I really I, just, I don't care what table I get I just hope it's not Fred <laughs> <laughs> and he was the first American master sommelier yeah exactly right. yep. he's, and he's, he's, he's the guy that we got to credit Fred with bringing the quartermaster sommeliers the, the organization over to the US he was the guy that did that right. in the 80s and there is a, what there's under three 300 master sommeliers in the world globally yeah and yep. under 200 in the united states correct yep 
that's a that's a very elite group, man, to be a part of. Do you guys get like a cape after? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, all right, so what? You, <laughs> I mean, I feel like y'all should get like a chain. It should be like chaining day know, or something man, like right. that. See, like, that's what we need an upgrade, right? Right now we get these pins, and the pins are awesome. Yeah, you know, pins are cool. The pin. You need like, you know, I want like a... You know, gangster chain. Exactly. Or something. You, know, you know, a gangster like t- test event, like a real big one. You know, something awesome with with some ice on it. No, listen. Yeah, exactly. There's gonna be a point when you know where we're gonna start giving out the master sommelier chains. Just gifting them, just from the wine and hip hop, just to say that Love we it. appreciate you guys I'll and, you design and what you're bringing to the culture. <laughs> um, but the sound movies are great, guys. You you learn a lot, and it really gives you an introspective look at the wine industry. We're going to take a break right now, and we're going to talk about why the Notorious B.I.G.'s Who Shot Ya is most similar to the wines of Rhone. See y'all in a minute. Neighbors call the cops if they heard mad shots. Saw me in the drop, three and a quarter. Slaughter, electrical tape around the daughter. Old school, new school, need to learn, though. I burn, baby, burn like disco inferno. Burn slow like blunts with yayo. Feel more skins than Idaho potato Niggas know the lyrical molesting is taking place Fucking with B.I.G. it ain't safe oh. It's like, yeah, oh, like a story of Jay-Z uh, saying that like when he heard that song, he yeah. really needed to step up his game. Yeah, exactly. You know, because you're only as good as like the people who are the, it, the best around you. you know? Exactly, so, yeah. exactly. I feel like Biggie speaks for Roan. <laughs> <laughs> right? I do. So... You're Northern Rhone guy, right? Yeah. So yeah. predominantly a Syrah grape. Correct. And Syrah is always going to be big, bold, and spicy. Spicy, peppery. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, come on, B-I-G. B-I-G-G-I-E, a.k.a. B-I-G, get it? Biggie. Right. It's going to be big. It's going to be bold. Now, when you think about... But it's about also smooth, man. And, and extremely smooth. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nice, nice finish. Uh, flavorful. A lot right. of different flavors. But no, when you think about this Complex, song... Complex. It's masculine. Exactly. It's like, there's a lot. And there's great structure right. also. You can yep. find great structured wines. And this brings me to this song, Who Shot You? Now, the title, Who Shot You? It has that shock value. You right. want to listen to it. It makes a splash immediately. First of all, the instrumental is ridiculous. Yeah. Again, the reason I say this is the best song of all time is on every single level, it is operating at its highest. Like, the lyrics are the best. The instrumental is the best. It is incredibly gangster and hardcore. Um, not that I think gangster and hardcore music is the best, but I feel like art has to be bold and expressive. You gotta be willing to fail big. What's interesting um, about that song, too, though, because it came out as a B-side track to Big Papa back in the day. It's like 93 or whenever it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's unexpected, too. Exactly. It wasn't the song that everybody... You know that the company wanted to put forward is kind of the underdog song. Exactly. You know, it was, Which, the, it was the gang. It was like the the authentic track that everybody latched onto that wasn't promoted as much. You exactly. Know? So, and I feel like that with Roan too. It's like it's this underdog region. You know, that's like awesome and it's great and super authentic and like it's very true. You know, and, and look there's, at there's this, that man. Look at this. Well. I'm so glad that you said that because another reason that I feel like it's the greatest song of all time. 
because that was a radio record. It was so good that it became like the promoted right, single. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just that good. And a song. And I titled, feel like right now with Rowan Wine is kind of like people are just learning about that B side. Right, know, right. Just learning about the song. Like, there's a lot of us that are on the inside, you know, they're in the industry that know how great these wines are. Exactly. It's like it's starting to become more popular now. So, right. Which is, right. is kind of a cool time to be drinking these. Yo, definitely, man. I love it, though. You get a lot of character in Rome wines. That's the thing. You get a lot of character, and then it's layered, man. It's not just fruity, you know. It's right. It's not like just a hook, you know. Exactly. It's like each each verse right. is sick, you know. Each 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 line is like really it, well it detailed. It builds on each it other. It builds, yeah. Right. And like the wines are, they've got everything. They've got spiciness. They're savory. They're, you know, they're they're also have some fruit. They're delicious. They're structured. You know, they're aromatic but much different, super, and very singular. It's so funny that you realized all the exact same. That's why I liked it, though, because it's good. after all of that, it was a radio record. But then you also think about the great structure that Rowan Wines have, right? What Big was doing with lyricism on this record, like, he was what they call, like, compound metaphors. Mm-hmm. So he was taking one metaphor and building another metaphor off of that one. The thing is, like, all the metaphors are just so slick. Right. This dude, Big, was like, your heartbeat sound like Sasquatch feet. Thundering, shaking the concrete. Then the shit stops when I follow the plot. What's the shit where he was like, um... I make your skin chafe, <laughs> right. leave rashes on the masses, <laughs> bumps and bruises, blunts and land cruises. Oh, yeah. Just listen to that song, no instrumental, and read the words. It's just, it's incredible, man. Big was definitely one of the best to do it. I'm not going to rap the entire verse. Yeah, you uh, have to just, You got, you really, to explain one, you have to explain the entire thing. It's like a Larry David episode. What was the line? Um, see, see me in the drop. No, that's what it was. He said, see me in the drop, three and a quarter. Slaughter, electrical tape around your daughter. It was years later when I realized that when he said to see me in the drop three and a quarter, that he's talking about the BMW 325i. I'm like, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Three and a quarter, slaughter, electrical table. I didn't realize that until I got a 525. Years later, years later. Growth, man. Growth, exactly, man. Shout out to Big for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh... Peel more skins than Idaho potato. (laughs) So good, man. Exactly. Exactly. What is your take on trap music? Uh, I, I just you know, and I, there's no wrong because it's just like wine. Yeah, right? you know, it's, it's all it's, subjective. It's totally subjective, and uh, you know, I, I listen to it honestly here and there, um, just because I, I don't want to. You know, I grew up with like Biggie and of Tupac course. and like that early '90s stage Nas and all of that Jay Z and whatnot. Where that, that for me, I think was like the that's the golden age of hip hop right. right now. You know, like I feel like. In, in hip-hop's short history, that mm-hmm. was when it was, like, really awesome. Right. Um, not to say there isn't great shit out there now, but trap music is so different than that, right? So it's for me, it's it it doesn't feel the same, you know, as the, mm-hmm. the memories and the, the emotions that I get when I listen to, like, old-school stuff. Right. Um, but I also need to realize that, you know, times change. Cultures change. You know, arts change. And things evolve. So it's not my personal favorite style right but i'm actually trying to listen to it more and trying to get into it more because i want to i want to be a part of the change i want to understand like what what are the young kids now like <laughs> right, when i right. was 
the people who are 13, 14 years old now, and this is what they're growing up with, right. you know, this is going to be super meaningful to them in 20 years. Right, right. So, like, I want to understand that. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to shun it, you know, right. so. I feel like, um, you know, I talk about this a lot. Uh, obviously, I love rap. I uh, love wine as well. So it's great to talk about it in this way. But you know, I, I love trap music because it is, like, I feel like art is an expression, just yep. like wine's an expression. And you can transfer an emotion with a look sometimes. You can transfer an emotion with one single sound. And what trap music does is it transfers an emotion that you feel. You know, usually it it can be a a happy emotion. It can be mad. It can be, uh, you know, a lot of times it's like party vibes. But the energy that people give with trap music, I think, is similar to that, uh, what people gave with rock music. All my idols on the motherfucking fed list. All my ops on the motherfucking deadlift. If I pick my money up, I might as well deadlift. Cause your brother on the killer, now he dead, bitch. PSA to all these niggas, y'all can't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. You know, with trap, you know, you just gotta like. You, it's a mood. It's definitely it, a it's, mood. It's definitely a mood. Yeah, it's I think for me, what I like, I love lyrics and I love flow mm-hmm. and I love like complex rhymes. Right. And trap doesn't always have that. Trap's more about the feeling yes. and the emotion and like the beat, you know, and all of that. Uh, and kind of the sound, right? And less about the lyrics themselves and like the the construction of the rhymes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a little different, you know. I like I said, I, I'm listening to it. I'm trying to get more into it's like it, the uh, natural wine versus old school wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trap is natural. Exactly. Wine. You know, and I try to I try to love everything, man. I'm inclusive. Right. You know, right. I try to be super inclusive with everything. So, right. and I, I try to recognize that in myself too, my own personal preferences. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm gonna make you a playlist. You know, there's a couple. You make me a play- yeah, I'm let me gonna, know who you like. I've been listening to Future and like Migos, yeah, like stuff like that. Like recently, there's some. You know, there's some. Un- there's some Roan uh, type rappers out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is God. My, this is actually a, a brother of mine, Junior Boss. Man, I just walked out the front gate of prison. It feel like they gave me immediate release. Talk about the Wolverine boot for the mace of my jealous. I need some new shit on my feet. Then when I pick up the phone, hit up Carlton Banks, and I told him to make me some heat. Just like the children at home when their parents are gone. You know that I'm back in these streets. Dance in the attic, closing the closet. We got the jewels at the safety deposit. Dug in the feds, yeah, I'm weaving and bobbing. DGE with me, you know I'm still mobbing. Swap out the cackers and put on some robbing. Niggas be acting, but don't want no problem. All of the internet gangsters are making fake pages. Some shit I do not get involved with. When you listen to these artists, you'll understand the energy that I'm talking about. To me, trap music is just... When you don't, when you're in that mood, when you do not give a single fuck, you right. don't have one single fuck to give. That is the mood that trap music is yeah. describing yeah. for me. But if I'm trying to get fired up, that's, yeah, that's when exactly. It's good, you know? I like to listen to trap when I'm working out. You know, it's yeah, how you exactly. get trap music is it, like it my, gets you going. It gets your heart going. It's my you spark know? plug in exactly. the morning. You I know, you gotta. That. Get out with the, you know New York is competitive. You have to be aggressive when you get into your day. So, you know I pl- I turn on some Young Dolph and go about my day like <laughs> and sell it, my like wine. <laughs> what else are you listening to right now? Uh, so yes, yeah, so Junior Boss, Young Dolph. Trap uh, or not trap? What anything? Oh, um, let's see. Currency. Uh, what else? Um, I've, uh, yeah, I've champions. Yeah, Meek Mill, man. Meek I've Mill. been on that for the last like week and a half or what's so. What's free? So good. I saw you post what's free. Yeah. <laughs> that that song on so many levels That's good. is, That's good. is oh, a, a really good one. You know, I've also have been listening to a lot of uh, 
the Carter Five, man. Mm, okay. I love, I love that album too. Little, little uproar. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Uptown vibes on the championship. Oh, uptown nigga. I was down, but they see I'm up now, nigga. Head high, cause I'm holding up my crown, nigga. Never told, even through the ups and downs, nigga. And if I do say it's a couple brown, nigga. Yeah, that was the song that brought me into that Meek one. Like when I when I first heard it, I just, I called T. I was like, listen. That's good. Meek Mill has the one. It bugged me out because he got this song Uptown Vibes. It just makes you feel like you chilling in, in the heights. Uh in Harlem, but there's nobody from Uptown on the song, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like get get Vado in there. Some get what get Cameron. Get one person from Harlem at least. Get Fat Joe on the remix, please. Meek, just listen to me, man. <laughs> the song is crazy. That's my go-to song right now. Yeah. That is, yeah, yeah, it's a good track. Yeah, and then you know what Jay Z did on What's Free is just you so know. Good. Amazing. I feel like guys like us empathize with that because we have freed ourselves, yeah. right? We are people that have chosen our own lanes, no matter what it is, jumped out, took the leap. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I mean, that's that's a big reason why I like Jay so much. You know, he, he talks so much about, you know, making his own way and doing his own thing and, you know, being out there on his own and, uh, you know, creating the life that he wants for himself, basically. And, you know, I, I came from a single family home my mom was a teacher we grew up pretty poor it was three of us mm -hmm. uh you know not that i'm the only one that experiences stuff like that but you know to be running you know wine programs at great rest like top restaurants in the world now and yeah. getting in movies and like, <laughs> you know i feel like i've come a long way since right. since back then yeah, you know yeah. like, you know those lyrics really speak to me kind of mm -hmm. like it's about it's putting your head down and it's working hard up. and it's like yeah. you know it's not always easy but it's about like not ever giving up and it's about grinding and like making it making it work you know exactly and, um I, I love that about his lyrics and that's why i think it speaks to me a lot and that's why i like it gotta celebrate yeah. the grind man exactly all right so dustin where can we find you you can find me in the wine stores of course verve wine um if you want to find me on instagram or twitter uh it's at dustin wilson ms mm. uh on both of those platforms too hit me up all right Guys, Dustin Wilson. This guy's a legend. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, man. Right. Thanks for having me on. This concludes another moment in wine and hip-hop.